Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash VJK. This independent learning activity is funded by Pfizer Canada. As we know, with acute leukemia, we first start with an induction therapy to try and help patients achieve remission. And then we try to consolidate that with further therapy. And now we can even use maintenance therapy to try and maximize the duration of responses. More and more, we're becoming dependent upon molecular analyses to help us subdivide AML, to evaluate it, and help us to direct targeted therapies. And so, you know, one of the first things is that all AML patients should have material from their tumors sent for analyses as soon as possible to help identify therapeutically active actionable targets. Currently, a lot of these tests do require a lot of time, so the sooner you send the tests, the better. And this is reflected in the new guidelines from the European Leukemia Net, which came out in 2022. More and more, we are seeing that there are actionable features which can be found to help us choose uh, therapies. This include targets like FLT3, the presence of the CD33 protein on the surface of the cells. Patients, for example, who are not suitable for intensive chemotherapy, but who have uh, mutations in genes like isocitrate dehydrogenase 1 or isocitrate dehydrogenase 2 might be better suited to agents that target those mutations. So one of the first of these agents is gemtuzumabazogomycin. In the ELN 2022 guidelines, it is recommended for the treatment of patients who have CD33 positive disease for de novo AML who are fit for intensive chemotherapy and who have favorable or intermediate cytogenetic risk disease. It is a drug that is generally well tolerated, but it does have some toxicities, and there is a specific risk of hepatotoxicity and potentially venoocclusive disease of the liver in a small minority of patients. The Pivotal study with GO was the 0701 trial. In this study, 271 patients aged 50 to 70 years of age were randomized to a standard intensive chemotherapy with donorubicin and cytarabine with or without gemtuzumabazogomycin. And what was seen was indeed a 44% reduction in event-free survival risk when looking at the median time to event-free survival. There was a prolongation from roughly nine months in the control arm to around 18 months in the experimental arm. Further studies were done looking at what kind of patients might be expected to respond best to gemtuzumabazogomycin. As is shown in this graph, patients who had favorable risk karyotypes like translocation 821 or inversion 16 did particularly well as compared to control when treated with GO. Patients with intermediate risk karyotypes, for example, normal 46, XX, or XY, did have a small benefit that did achieve statistical significance, although the results were not as clearly favorable as those with patients with favorable risk. Furthermore, patients who have adverse risk karyotypes did not appear to benefit at all from the addition of GEO to a standard chemotherapeutic regimen. When looking at these results, one of the questions is, is the benefit for an intermediate risk patient uh, significant enough to warrant the use of GEO in a patient who might be headed towards transplant? 
Certainly many patients with intermediate risk disease are considered for stem cell transplantation, but sometimes people become concerned about the risk of veno-occlusive disease occurring during or after the transplant. At our center, we clearly choose GO in combination with favorable risk patients or patients with nucleophosmin who are probably not going to transplant. For intermediate risk patients in whom transplant is being considered, the decision to use GO is individualized based around the likelihood the patient will actually make it to transplant. Is the likelihood high the patient will have a donor? Will the patient proceed to transplant quickly? Does the patient have other hepatic comorbidities like fatty liver or previous history of hepatitis? Another drug which is combined with intensive chemotherapy is mitostorin, and it is indicated for the treatment of patients who have FLT3 mutated AML in the upfront setting in combination with cytarabine and donorubicin. It is recommended by the ELN as part of the first-line therapy. It does seem to increase the risk of cytopenias and febrile neutropenias, and there is also you know, an increased risk of, of uh, dermatitis and line-related infections for patients who are treated with mitostorin in conjunction with intensive chemotherapy. The pivotal trial for this drug was Ratify, and this was a large study randomizing patients uh, with FLT3-positive AML in the ages of 18 to 60. And when looking at the overall survival, there was a clear statistically significant improvement between the placebo group and the mitostorin group. The median event-free survival was also prolonged from three months to 8.2 months. The drug was generally well tolerated. Another mutation which has a targeted agent available for it is ivacitinib, which is approved in the United States. And it is part of the ELN recommendations for the treatment of patients who have a mutation in the IDH1 gene, who have de novo AML, but who are unfit for upfront chemotherapy. When running a small phase three trial of about 150 patients, the event-free survival at one year was roughly triple that with the combination than with the uh, control arm with azacitidine alone. Generally, it was a very safe drug. There was a slightly increase in the number of febrile neutropenic events, but it's important to note that there is the risk of differentiation syndrome. When talking about treatments for patients who cannot undergo intensive chemotherapy, we also have to consider you know, the therapy, therapeutic agent venetoclax. Venetoclax is indicated in combination with either azacitidine or with low-dose cytarabine, again for the treatment of unfit patients, so patients who have comorbidities, patients with advanced age above 75 years, and it is recommended as a first-line therapy for these patients. It is associated with a risk of infection. It is associated with risk of tumor lysis syndrome. Two companion trials were run. They were both phase three trials, Viale-A and Viale-C. Viale-A compared venetoclax plus azacitidine to azacitidine monotherapy, while Viale-C looked at venetoclax, low-dose cytarabine versus low-dose cytarabine alone. In both studies, there was a difference in median overall survival, 14.7 months versus 9.6 months in Viale-A. This was statistically significant. In the Viale-C trial, the median overall survival was initially not statistically significant, but after a further six months of follow-up, the curves did separate and the median overall survival was shown to be 8.4 months in the venetoclax LODAC arm versus 4.1 months in the LODAC arm alone. So these are some of the targeted therapies which are coming online 
to help treat our patients with AML. There remain challenges. For example, how do we combine targeted therapies? You may have a patient who has a translocation 821, but also expresses a mutation in FLT3. One might be tempted to think that one could perhaps combine GO with mitostorin along with intensive chemotherapy, but in the absence of data regarding safety, this is best left to clinical trials, and it remains an active area of research. We have now seen that there are new agents coming online, that standard 7 and 3 alone is becoming less and less applicable, and we now have to tailor our treatments to our patients' specific leukemia genotypes. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. You will all know the recent update to the 2022 uh, European Leukemia Net guidelines, uh, which recommended targeted therapies for most patients, um, uh, addition uh, of mitostorin for patients with plus 3 positive AML, the addition of gemtuzumab for patients with favorable intermediate risk disease uh, with uh, CD33 positive disease, uh, the use of CPX351 in patients with MDS related changes, and of course, the most recent addition, and that's the use of uh, azacitidine and venetoclax in patients with. Uh, uh, with AML who are not fit for intensive therapy. All of these therapies offer great promise to patients, but they also offer a great deal of challenges as well. Um, we know, of course, that uh, targeted therapies have led to new hope for patients with acute myeloid leukemia. Sadly, despite the addition of all these new targeted therapies, the survival of patients with acute myeloid leukemia remains poor, and a lot of our patients come into treatment uh, with uh, already infectious complications. Uh, many of them may be older, and uh, these patients are at particular high risk uh, for uh, treatment-related complications. And a lot of these new targeted therapies have uh, toxicities that are quite different than the toxicities that we saw previously with uh, conventional cytotoxic chemotherapy. So improving patient outcomes requires an understanding of how best to manage uh, targeted therapy adverse events. We will talk about the different options that are available for targeted therapy for de novo AML one by one to give you some examples of specific targeted therapies and toxicities uh, that we all need to be aware of when treating our patients. Chagduzumab is a C33-directed antibody drug conjugate that is used in patients with uh, lower intermediate risk acute myeloid leukemia or fit for intensive therapy. Chagduzumab has several specific toxicities that uh, treaters need to be aware of. Gemtuzumab is associated with a small risk of VOD. VOD can be life-threatening, and so it is an important complication to be aware of and be vigilant for. The risk of VOD is actually um, more significant in patients who go on unreceived transplant, and so there's a recommended two-month washout period before patients go on to receive transplant um, with the following therapy with gemtuzumab. There's a, an infusional reaction syndrome that's usually easily managed with uh, pre-medications, but in patients who do develop anaphylaxis, it would be important to permanently discontinue therapy. As well, gemtuzumab does uh, modestly increase the degree of myelosuppression, so being aware, again, to manage any pancytopenia-related complications is critical as well. This is a real-world study looking at 189 patients with favorable risk acute myeloid leukemia who are treated across six academic institutions, either with gemtuzumab, uh, standard-dose anthracycline, or high-dose anthracycline. 
the rates of cytopenias uh, and uh, other infectious complications were actually fairly similar across the three groups, um, which is fairly reassuring. Importantly, there were actually no patients who went on to develop uh, veno-occlusive disease in this uh, relatively small study, uh, again, reassuring us that these complications are largely manageable. Moving on to mitostorin. Mitostorin is an oral FLT3 inhibitor, which is indicated in combination with conventional chemotherapy for patients with newly diagnosed FLT3-mutated acute myeloid leukemia, either uh, FLT3-ITD or FLT3-TKD. Uh, mitostorin is, in general, fairly well tolerated. The most important toxicity we will all hear from our patients is the nausea and vomiting that occurs from it. These can be generally well managed if you um, uh, use basic strategies to mitigate it, suggesting, for example, taking the capsule out of the container before giving it to the patient, and of course, using aggressive anti-nausea medications in combination with chemotherapy to mitigate this issue. There is a rare interstitial pneumonitis disease, um, which, um, if it occurs, um, it would necessitate uh, permanent discontinuation of the therapy as well. It can prolong the QT, which is, again, something we're well familiar with as, as treaters in AML, but again, this deserves monitoring as well. This real-world study, again, highlighted the safety of mitostorin. Uh, these uh, was a study of 69 patients with split-3-mutated AML who were treated with mitostorin in addition to their intensive chemotherapy. And again, reassuringly, in this study, mitostorin was not associated with increased toxicity in older patients including high-risk patients, even when administered with intensive donorubicin doses. Uh, Venetoclax uh, is indicated uh, for older, but still reasonably fit patients with acute myeloid leukemia, uh, uh, who are not yet fit enough for intensive induction chemotherapy. Venetoclax uh, has revolutionized the treatment of older adults with acute myeloid leukemia. However, it definitely adds significant toxicity when compared uh, to previous therapies with just azacitidine alone, for example. The dominant toxicity of azacitidine is pancytopenia, and these patients do have much more myelosuppression than patients uh, who undergo treatment with azacitidine alone or with low-dose terabine, which were the conventional uh, treatment options available for this therapy. Uh, this is something that requires, again, vigilant supportive care. In our center, we manage these patients with monthly bone marrow aspirates to determine disease status, uh, and then we follow the product monograph for dose reductions. There's also a published risk of tumor lysis syndrome uh, that occurred uh, more significantly in the earlier phase studies. Um, this uh, was, in rare cases, fatal uh, for patients that are high risk or particularly patients with uh, uh, impaired renal function or high white blood cell count. These patients should be admitted to hospital and monitored during their first several days to ensure safety of the therapy. Again, we have real-world data that establishes that venioclax can be safely administered to patients with acute myeloid leukemia. Uh, this study looked at 133 patients with newly diagnosed AML who were treated with venetoclax-based regimens uh, from hospitals in the U.S. and Israel. Unplanned dose interruptions during therapy are quite common, particularly due to infectious complications like febrile neutropenia or neutropenia. Uh, but again, uh, this therapy can largely be safely delivered if, uh, if following the, the, the monograph appropriately and uh, dose-reducing patients uh, as uh, required based on their blood counts and based on their bone marrow aspirate results. Lastly, uh, ivocidinib is an IDH1 inhibitor. Ivocidinib was, um, is not yet currently available in Canada, but we expect that to change in the very near future. Uh, the combination of ivocidinib and azacitidine was shown to be a very effective therapy for patients with IDH1 uh, mutated AML. When it becomes available, there are unique toxicities well to be aware of, uh, such as uh, the risk of uh, cardiomyopathy and the rare but potentially severe risk of differentiation syndrome. 
the other therapies of the other toxicities of idocinib are, are generally fairly easily managed. Uh, things like uh, QTC prolongation, again, which we're well used to managing as oncologists, and uh, pancytopenia. There is a very rare incidence of uh, a Guillain-Barre syndrome, and of course, this complications such as this would necessitate a, um, a permanent discontinuation. Overall, across all of these therapies, there are many new toxicities that are quite different than toxicities we've seen with previous uh, chemotherapy drugs. Uh, many of these therapy toxicities may be unfamiliar to us and may seem uh, initially quite uh, scary. However, as we can see in the trials and the real-world data have shown, uh, most of these toxicities can be manageable, uh, and the benefits of these drugs clearly outweigh the, uh, the, the risk of them. There are some common sense strategies we can use uh, to minimize toxicity. Um, we can optimize patient selection. So for example, you might choose to avoid gemtuzumab in patients with risk factors for VOD or SOS patients with uh, pre-existing liver disease, for example. Uh, knowing that infectious disease complications are quite common in our patients uh, undergoing therapy with uh, uh, treatments that can result in prolonged pancytopenia, we can be quite vigilant looking for opportunistic infections. Many of these therapies have significant drug-drug interactions that can worsen toxicities, uh, and these are, are things that we need the help of our excellent pharmacy colleagues uh, to manage. In addition, many of these therapies have uh, pre-medications uh, that can uh, effectively uh, lessen the risk of patients developing uh, adverse events and lessen the severity of it. And finally, uh, we're all privileged to work as part of excellent multidisciplinary teams, and we have to really use the strength of all of our team members provide optimal patient support for patients as they go through treatment uh, for what can be a very intense period of time. One of the great challenges and opportunities uh, in treating AML in 2023 is to be aware of these toxicities, know when to continue therapy, when to stop therapy, and to really use these tools in the optimal way uh, to improve patient outcomes uh, and uh, help our patients uh, get through what remains a fairly devastating disease. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.